0: Listening to the Big Album Show with Paul Dillon and Dan O'Neill.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Big Album Show. I'm Paul Dylan. And I'm Dan O'Neill. You're very welcome to episode 8, and tonight we're discussing a fantastic album, Blue, by Joni Mitchell, which is 50, year old, 50 years old. Uh, In June, June the 22nd, 1971, Dan, a classic album here for the Big Album Show. Blue by Johnny Mitchell has been hailed as one of the greatest albums of all times by so many critics and so many fans. And it's not hard to understand why. It's short, firstly, which is not any harm because it leaves no room for error. There's no excess here. There's no bad track at all. Instead, what you get is 10 songs over 36 minutes and not a bad song on it. Blue must be one of the most written about albums uh, on the internet in terms of material. Just Google it and you're going to come across a mountain of material. Uh, you can learn about all the different characters uh, whose presence is felt on the record, and many of them are well-known names. But what was remarkable about this album is not so much the characters that Joni is often writing about, but the very personal nature of the writing on the album. It's an incredibly personal record. What she manages to do is to pull you into a complete world, And what's incredible is that the more you listen to it, the more you get pulled into Joni's emotional world. Uh, By one end, by one complete listen, you feel that you know about Joni, about her life, about her relationships, and that's something for me that's not often achieved on record. It's something that might be accomplished in a novel, but very difficult to to accomplish in the album form. You're listening to the Big Album Show with Paul and Dan. Please remember to subscribe. Hit like, and remember to follow us on our social media platforms at The Big Album Show. Uh, on Blue, there's nothing that's showy. There's nothing that's excessive. There's nothing that feels fake. Uh, Jolie's just a fantastic writer, um, and the lyrics constantly just deliver this very personal, this very raw, and it's, ver- it's an album that really is full of great stories. Ten songs, ten great stories her fourth record, released on the 22nd of June, 1971.
0: Dan, tell me, what's your impression of it from listening to the album? What impression does it leave you with? Well, it's generally considered as one of the greatest albums ever. And I think that's fair enough because it is a journey through various emotions. And Joni Mitchell, when talking about the the type of songs on the album, she said she felt like um, the cellophane wrapper on a packet of cigarettes in that it, she, she was so transparent and upfront in the album in terms of allowing the listener to feel her emotions. When, when she played some of the songs to James Taylor, who, who plays on the album and also had a relationship with Joni, um, when she played some of the songs to him for the first time, he said, Joni, don't give everything away you know in in that he 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 kind of commented that she was almost too honest in 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 her writing style um and i think she gives us an insight into um emotion into relationships in in a really uh bare naked way and um, her voice right throughout the album and in general is a voice that's just profoundly good it's husky sweet high bell-like uh ringing a uh, sometimes all at the same time and uh when Joni Mitchell is singing she never sings a song in a way you'd expect her to sing a song she kind of riffs on every note hitting high notes hitting low notes hitting the notes in between um she sings in a in a really interesting way and the minute you hear Joni Mitchell sing you think to yourself that's Joni Mitchell she is unmistakable and then you couple that with her her musicianship in terms of the incredible way she plays the various instruments she she plays you couple that then with the lyrics on this album and on her other albums and It's clear to see why Joni Mitchell can be considered one of the greats.
1: Absolutely, Dan. There's there's no doubt about it. This album truly deserves its status uh, as one of the greatest records of all time. Um, I find it just a fascinating take on an artist uh, really at her peak. And one of the things I love about this album is it's very, very clear that generation after generation people discover this album and it's quite possible to think of in a family, you could have grandparents, you could have three generations in a family who love this record. And the great thing about it is that despite the very, very personal nature of the songs, which are entirely personal to Joni, you it, you can form a relationship with the songs and they can start meaning something to the listener. And the songs that are most important to me on the album, they all mean something to me uh, that I've taken on. They've taken on a meaning for me, um, but equally, they're very, very personal to Joni. So she manages to achieve that. That's a kind of an intimacy that you don't often get on uh, on record. I think that there's two reasons for that. One is the lyrics, which we'll get to and we'll talk about them. You know, they're so beautiful. They're so well written. They're a huge achievement in their own right. The other thing about it is that creates this intimacy is this sense that you're on this journey with Joni. I love the first track on the album, Dan, All I Want. She pulls you right in. She says, I am on a lonely road and I am traveling, 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 looking for something. What can it be? And it pulls you right into Joni Mitchell's emotional world. And she holds you for those 10 songs and those 36 minutes. And one of my big takes on this album is don't don't compartmentalize it. Don't listen to track one and then track four and then track 10. Don't start at all. Start at all I want. Listen to it right through. It brings you on a journey. It's like a novel. It's ten separate stories, but it's one complete story of Joni Mitchell and what she was feeling in the in, in that period when she put this record down. I don't think Dan, there's a there's it's it's when you think of the characters that she's writing about, many of whom are well known names. I don't want, really want to go down that road on this pod because I think really if if you, if you if you focus on Joni's lyrics and you focus on her music, what you get is this fantastic personal story. And it would make you nostalgic, really, for the era of the album, when the album was listened to track one, track two, track three, track four, right down through it. Um, In 71, when it was released, we were decades uh, ahead of the tape of the CD and the digital revolution. And all of those impacts, all of those developments impacted heavily on the primacy of the long form album. The start to finish nature of listening to a record. But Blue feels like a very complete record, which should be listened to in full. And one of the good things down at 36 minutes, it's an easy thing to do that. It's just an easy listen. Sit down, listen to it right the way through. And you just enter into Joni Mitchell's world. And it's just
0: a complete masterpiece for me from beginning to end. Yeah, there's not a bad track on the album. And uh, you mentioned the opening lyrics of, of the album there on the song All I Want. And it's a perfect example of Joni's musicality in, in those lyrics you mentioned, the travelling, travelling, travelling. Immediately she's using this uh, musical technique where, where the lyrics and the music kind of echo each other to paint a musical picture and you feel that you're being dragged forward in motion with it, travelling, travelling, travelling. And, and And literally, as you say, it's a journey. So from the start... Joni is saying come on get on the uh, get on board we're traveling now and from there you travel through uh Joni's world of emotion but top three songs Paul what what would be your number one Dan it's it's difficult to say because of
1: any one of these songs could be my top could be my number one tune and they're all special in their own right and I had but if, if, you, if, you, if, if I'm asked, if I'm pressed, my, my top three will be starting at number three will be Last Time I Saw Richard. That this is the last track on the album, and this is an album, it's a record that doesn't go quietly. There's a very original lyric uh, in the album, um, and it starts off, frankly, with some of the best lyrics uh, that I've ever heard on a record. She says, the last time I saw Richard was Detroit in 68, and he told me all romantics meet the same fate one day, cynical and drunk and boring in some dark cafe. You laugh, you said, you think you're a moon. Go look at your eyes. They're full of moon. And it's just a fantastic lyric. If there wasn't a song, if it, if there wasn't the music that accompanied the lyrics, you'd still enjoy reading that story about Richard in Detroit in 68. And then later she has another uh, encounter with Richard. And then she tells us, Richard got married to a figure skater and he bought her a pitcher and a coffee percolator and he drinks at home there most nights with the TV on. And, you know, you're from that, you get this very, very clear meditation on a kind of a glib and dark domesticity and that beautiful meditation on dark cafes. It's just a great, great lyric. Um, and there's also something slightly humorous about it. And it's got this beautiful rhythm. It just pulls you right in. And it's, it's I, lo- I love the fact that it's the last song in the album because it doesn't go quietly. It goes with a bit of pace. It goes with a little bit of speed and, and just great piano track throughout it. Um, My second tune Dan, would be River. Um, Now, this is a really famous uh, Joni Mitchell song. Almost all the songs in this album are famous, um, but River is the one that many people will know uh, as the Christmas Joni Mitchell song, but it's one of the few Christmas songs maybe that you can listen to any time uh, of the year. It's sad, it's profound, and as with all of these songs, you'll find plenty of cover versions, but there's nothing that uh, will come close to the original and again just the beauty of the lyrics it's coming on Christmas they're cutting down trees they're putting up reindeer and singing songs of joy and peace oh I wish I had a river I could skate away on and you know so she's doing something very clever there she's juxtaposing you know this vision of a of peace but then you know trying to get away from it and it's, a, it's just a great song I love to hear it at Christmas I'm not a huge fan of Christmas songs I think most of them are, are kind of junk it's difficult to get a Christmas song that doesn't sound sentimental and um, most of them age quickly it, this one just sounds river and again it's not quite a christmas song because you can play it any time of year it it has a it, it it's got it's it's a little bit addictive you can just keep going back to it again and again and again and um, and find different uh, uh, things in it and um, that brings me to my top track down which is a case of you uh it's just a really really special song and um, there's a very famous cover of course by prince Prince and there's loads of uh, little quirks in that he's got big synths going on and it's actually very very good uh, tune in its own right Um, but for me A Case of You is the standout song on a standout album by just an amazing artist Um, and just that lyric I could drink a case of you and still be on my feet it's a very special song timeless appeal and no question about that ever getting old Um, And it's just a really, really, really special tune, um, which will stop you in your tracks any time you hear it. Honourable mentions, of course, for California, which is all I want. I mean, as I said, every song of the album is great, but that's my top three,
0: Dan. How about you? Okay, so Case of You is definitely um, in my top three. Um, There's a phrase here in Ireland um, that people use to describe someone they don't like and it's uh, the person is a bit of a dose and uh, when you first read the name of the song a case of you you could be mistaken you could be you could be forgiven for mis- be, for being mistaken that, that's what Joni's getting at a case of someone could be hinting at the idea that it's a, a negative thing in terms of it being kind of like a a, a case that a runs or something um but as the song progresses the listener realizes that it's a metaphor, um, a, a, another kind of metaphor, comparing the subject of the song to a case of uh, fine wine. Um, you have James Taylor on the guitar, Russ Kunkel on drums, and Joni on the Appalachian dulcimer. The Appalachian dulcimer is an instrument she uses for a lot of the tracks on this album. It sounds very, very like a guitar except it, it, it kind of has uh, higher tonal qualities. Um, so it kind of sounds like a, a guitar with maybe a bit of compression on it, and it just adds to a, a more unusual sound compared to many other singer-songwriters, an exotic uh, sound compared to other singer-songwriters. The song immediately starts with admi- admission of failed love. Um, it says, just before our love got lost, um, is, is how the, the song the song opens but then it it, it's followed immediately then by a cutting joke so it says just before our love got lost you said i am as constant as a northern star which is a a shakespeare reference and i said constantly in the darkness where is that at if you want me you'll find me in the bar and so immediately Joni showing her unique ability as a songwriter and i think the 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 essence of the song is about realizing both the power of love and the precarity it places those who who succumb to it in but joni kind of uh puts forward the idea that by being strong enough to say um, you know what uh, you, you, i'm going to i'm going to get drunk on love is what joni is saying here and and, and no matter what happens joni is saying um should be okay another song then i really like is My Old Man. I believe it's track two on the album. And um, it's actually a very, very sophisticated song in terms of how it's written musically. Um, Joni is an artist who takes influence from various different genres of music so she's influenced by you know she she, she quotes Rachmaninoff as references Rachmaninoff and uh, the, the composer as one of her influences uh, jazz rock and roll folk even even Irish folk music and um, in an interview she re- referenced that as as an influence and um, and I think in this song you can see her her jazz influences because and um, again it it uses music in a way to strengthen the the lyrics in the song so um y- y- you have the, the joni is singing about uh, this idea that uh you know she she's in love with with someone um and uh, she's kind of saying how that makes her feel in in a really interesting way she focuses on kind of small details that look irrelevant, but they're actually very relevant in terms of creating the overall feeling of the song. So she talks about uh, her lover as the warmest chord she's ever heard. Um, and then it goes into this bridge, which talks about not uh, needing um, papers from the the city hall. Um, and when it does that, it, it's really interesting musical because the key, the, the, the key of the song is in A and then it goes through F sharp and B for this bridge, which is a new, an unusual kind of uh, way to go in a song. It's very jazz-like. And then the song comes to a point where she's talking about her lover being gone. And, and when she's talking about that in the lyrics, the, the, she moves into a minor key, which is a sadder key. Um, and and again, the music and the lyrics are completely in tune with each other. Um, so, like, uh, Joni just brings you on a journey to places you just don't expect. Even at the end of the song, then, uh, the, the very last few notes of the song are actually very simple and childlike. So she takes you from this incredibly complex song musically, great lyrics and then finishes it like she kind of she finishes it almost in the way she starts uh, uh, River in in terms of kind of bringing it back to this childlike like childlike melody and so she just has an incredible grasp of of musicality and then my final song of my three is California and so it's it's in a very it's done in a kind of a very conversational, almost uh stream of conscious way in terms of, of of the lyrics. Uh again, she's playing the Appalachian Dulcimer again on this on this tune. So you have that unusual guitar-like sound. Um in this song, Joni Mitchell's vocal range is massive. So she's going from the very depths of her, her vocals, and in the same sentence, she's going up really, really high um and she she generally seems to be referencing a a time she spent in Europe. She mentions France, she mentions uh, Spain, she mentions Greek Isles. Um and um one one of the, the the kind of uh verses I like is when she's referencing um a period of time in Europe where she was dating uh, a guy Um, On the Greek Isles, she says, uh, an American guy who was living in a cave. um, It was the 60s after all. So you had that kind of (laughs) hippy-dippy stuff happening. Um, And she says, I met met a redneck on a a Grecian Isle who did the goat dance very well. He gave me back my smile, but he kept my camera to sell. Oh, the rogue, the red, red rogue, he cooked good omelets and stews. And I might have stayed on with him there, but my heart cried out for you, California and uh it's just it, that's that's pure poetry uh you can see in those lines the fact that she loves this guy, but he's an absolute rogue selling her camera um she, and 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 she's longing for her old life back to the united states um and um I just think you know there's there's something so poetic and, and magical about um the work of Joni Mitchell. And uh, n- n- never more so than on this classic album.
1: Totally agree with you, Dan. And totally agree with you about the lyric and uh, California. It's very, very special. Um, I really love the, the lines. They won't give peace a chance. That was just a dream some of us had. And of course, when you know about Joni Mitchell and her history and her influence in the 60s. And of course, the famous Woodstock and, and the famous Woodstock song. You know, th- there's a very profound lyric in that. And is it a rejection um, of some of those '60s dreams? Is it a, a reflection of it? It's just a beautiful uh, lyric throughout. And I wanted to talk to you about something which I found very interesting, which is you mentioned a lot of the influences on the album and how she used various influences and various music musical styles. And of course, um, you, you know, you'd be well placed to do that as a as a musician. And of course, people can check out Dan's music on his Instagram <laughs> and on his Twitter. Um. But one of the things that I'm conscious of is how influential this album is and how influential Joni Mitchell is in general, because oftentimes I listen to it on the radio a lot and I'll have it in the background and I hear various artists and I, I don't know who they are. And I sometimes think, is that Joni Mitchell? Oh, it sounds like Joni Mitchell. She is just so incredibly influential generation after generation. And of course, you recall the famous sort of Irish singer, songwriters, music scene that was based, you know, oftentimes around Dublin. And of course, you had people uh, in Whelan's and venues like that. And you're thinking of artists like Lisa Hannigan and Damien Rice and that great album, Oh, from Damien Rice. You can really hear the influence uh, of Joni Mitchell on on that album, that kind of sound, that kind of emotional rawness. Um, And she is an incredibly influential artist it's quite difficult to cover her songs. I mentioned Prince earlier. I think he did it reasonably successfully. Others have done it less successfully. But almost everywhere you go, if you're somewhere where you see someone with an acoustic guitar, they're going to try a Joni Mitchell song, and they're going to try something off this album with varying degrees of success. But it's one of the things I just love about Joni Mitchell. I mean, I remember, or I just recall being um, at an open mic night in the international bar, when you could go to to bars and and hopefully we will be able to go again and and those kind of nights will will continue, and um, but I remember artist, artist after artist or singer after singer, oftentimes when they were doing their few numbers they would you'd, you'd hear a Joni Mitchell uh, tune and I recall you know traveling through Latin America and seeing people uh, in hostels you know tourists in hostels earnest young people in their early twenties. And they'd be, you know, they'd have a guitar and they'd put out a Joni Mitchell tune and they'd really give it a go. Um, And she's quite a hard artist, I'm sure, to cover because the the notes she hits uh, and the way she sings. But she's an incredibly influential artist, isn't she? And Blue must rank as one of the most influential albums, certainly from that period of time.
0: Yeah, she's she's like when you think of the singer songwriter, like Joni Mitchell is the quintessential singer songwriter. And she's one of these musicians that fall into a category that I I I sometimes kind of think exists myself anyway, a musician's musician. Right. So she's the kind of um, musician that other musicians respect so much because of the way her her music is quite complex. It's quite uh, thought-provoking um, and um, at the same time being very, very, uh, you know, um, accessible to people. There's other acts I, I don't want to, I'm not going to list them off, but, but but there's other acts I can think of off the top of my head that are like musicians, musicians. And I think Joni Mitchell is one of those people that's not saying that non-musicians don't like her. Of course they do. But I think there's a real respect there uh, amongst musicians for Joni Mitchell, for instance, even uh contemporary Irish musicians uh, right now, like, uh, you know, the, the band, great band, Saint Sister. Yeah. Um, Morgan. Uh, McIntyre from Saint Sister wrote a, a fabulous article for the Irish Times, um, and uh, it, it said, "I spent my teenage years fawning over the kings of country and folk, sticking their lyrics all around my bed, in the hope that they might sleep uh, st- seep into me while I slept." And uh, one of the albums uh, on play constantly was. Blue, uh, by 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 Joni Mitchell, um, so you can just see the respect uh, Morgan McIntyre has there for for Joni Mitchell. Um, so look, she she's just such a wonderful artist, um, and she's had a profound impact on music. It it, it was really kind of a, a, a defining point for music in in many ways. Like it, it, music was going through such an incredible. Change because when you think about it, like technology was changing so rapidly, like. Now we live in a, in a space where you have Spotify and recorded music has been around for an awful long time. But in the 1960s, it, it, it recorded music had effectively only been really around a few decades. You know, multi-track recording had only been, it was only new, uh, you know, even stereo recording was relatively new. Uh, and one of the things about this album as well that can't be overlooked is the fact that Joni Mitchell herself produced the album. And uh, from a production point of view, it's 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 incredibly good. There's really subtle kind of uh, parts in it that 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 the production does kind of it, it, incredible production parts. I'll give you an example, um, rather than kind of trying to describe in some kind of uh, abstract way. So in the song uh, "This Flight Flight Tonight," there's a bit in the song. Where Joni sings, I think she sings about music on the radio or something, but as she's singing about that, the the, the audio in the production is kind of compressed, which makes the audio sound like it's actually on uh, an AM or FM radio. So Joni, not only is she doing the lyrics, she which are incredible, doing the music, you know. Making the music and the lyrics work together. Then she's also producing the album and using really, really innovative techniques to make the production match the lyrics and the music. So, uh, and 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 that's before you even get to the fantastic album artwork.
1: Yeah, I mean, everything about this album, it, everything about this album is you, you just can't praise enough. And you know, and I think you're absolutely right to mention the artwork. I mean. When you, one of the interesting things, of course, I'm old school, Dan, as you know, and I, I went out to rebuy this album um, and most of the record stores in Dublin City Centre, I couldn't get it in, but they had tons of other Joni Mitchell albums. But I got the impression from talking to the store uh, people that it consistently uh, gets taken off the shelves, it consistently gets bought. I have a little theory on that, and one of them is it's a very, very attractive cover. So when you see it on the shelf, uh, you go for it. It's a very, very attractive cover. Uh, great photo, great artwork. Um, you could talk about it all night. You can listen to it. It's a, again, a great thing about this album is you won't get sick of it. You can listen to it again and again and again. It's that kind of album. Very, very special indeed. It gets from me a very, very healthy nine out of 10. There's no docks, There's no mark being docked for anything. There's no flaws as far as I can see. Not that I would be suitably qualified to dock marks. Uh, but um, I don't, I'm not quite sure what album would get 10. That's the final number. Uh, who, who who knows when we'll ever reach the final number. I guess a 9 out of 10 for me. Absolutely love it. Highly recommend it. Many people uh, who listen to this show will know it and be familiar with it. If you're not, go get it. Blue, Joni Mitchell, almost 50 years old. Dan, what do you give it out of 10?
0: I would give it a 9.5. Um, like you, no, no reason to dock uh, any marks whatsoever. Um, um, but I'll, I'll go with 9.5. Flawless album. Um, no bad song on the album and uh, accessible, complex, lyrically beautiful. Like, uh, I, I, I could talk about this album forever. And uh, I know that I'll certainly listen to this album um, again and again for the rest of my life. Really, really good.
1: It just ticks all the boxes, doesn't it, Dan? I mean, there's just you can't. You couldn't possibly uh, fault it in any way and very special and we're lucky to have it. Um, so thanks as always to for listening to The Big Album Show. Don't forget, please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at The Big Album Show. Please like and subscribe. And if you like the show, please spread the word, bring along another listener. We're very grateful uh, to all our listeners for all your support, for all your comments uh, and for listening to the show. Thank you so much. We deeply appreciate it.
0: On the next episode, we're going to be talking about the debut album from the band, The Strokes. Is This It? Released in 2001, it includes some bangers of tunes. We want to hear your hot takes. Let us know what they are on Insta, on Twitter, you know, on all the usual platforms. Looking forward to it.
1: Until next time.
0: Au revoir. You're listening to The Big Album Show with Paul Dillon and Dan O'Neill.